0: Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the IoT Insider. My name is Dan Cunliffe, and I'm Managing Director of Pangea. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Tash Toletsky, our new Partner Account Manager, uh, to talk about sustainability and going green and IoT's role in all of that. Hi, Tash. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Dan. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. Uh, Tash brings many, many years of experience as an integrated digital business and marketing strategist with a keen focus on innovation, technology in previous sectors, such as obviously education, um, human resources, sports, entertainment, aviation and mining. As the four IR and associated technologies take center stage and as an early adopter of all things digital, Tash seeks to support human, environmental and machine blending by connecting things. She's also a really cool person, and one of the reasons we hired her is not because she just has a South African accent, because she's actually super talented as well. Um, <laughs> and today, having her uh, to join me is is really, really, really cool. So Tash, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a bit about sustainability, we'll talk about what IoT influence could be, but one of the key things out there is, you know, as the climate crisis continues, um, there's pressures for companies to meet sustainability targets and go green. Maybe we just start around about there, and if you want to kind of open some... Thought process. Some talk on that first. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you, Dan. Um, and it's great to be a part of the team. I uh, I'm a, a bit of a tech optimist. Uh, I used <laughs> to call myself a futurist, but now I see myself as a tech optimist. Nice. Um, so I'm thrilled to be in the in the industry and in the space, working with the team who are an amazing um, group of guys and girls. Uh, I think if I can just. Um, set the scene around, you know, one of the things you mentioned there, which was the climate crisis um, and also sustainability. And we need to distinguish between what global warming actually is and what a climate crisis is. And there's a a key thing that distinguishes the two, and, and that is that global warming is entirely as a result of human action. And the climate crisis and climate change is as a result of human and natural reactions that have taken place. So, you know, when we speak about the UN sustainability goals, we're speaking about the climate crisis and climate change as a whole, which are more your long-term effects. Um, And global warming, which there's a clue there in the name, it's about the temperature, is um, what the GMSA have uh, based the industry standards that they have set for the industry around keeping to pre-industrial uh, rates of global warming and the warming of the Earth's surface, which is around 1.5 degrees uh, to 2 degrees, and that's what they've committed to by 2050. So, wow. I mean, we all we all know the, the history, and we know it comes about by burning of fossil fuels, and there's a certain amount of carbon and our carbon footprint that we leave behind, and the energy that we emit, our CO2 emissions. So that brings me to how you know the industry. Is involved, and obviously we use a lot of energy, and the mobile industry uses a lot of energy. So uh, you know, it brings us to the goals around sustainability, and sustainability is a word that is it's horribly abused and overused, in my opinion, and um, it obviously comes with a lot of agendas. But if you look at the description, it's the ability to be maintained at a certain rate or level and the avoidance of depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. And balance is the key no, there. The big one, right? it's, it's, I mean, you know, how much food and energy and water we use um, through our devices and through our connected technology uh, world. It's how we meet our means, our own needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet theirs and I think that's where you know the sustainability piece comes in and it's all about environmental but also the social and economic sustainability goals and that's I think where a lot of our users are going to be interested in in how IoT can help them in that space and how it can benefit their businesses but also their global footprint and the emissions that they put out there.
0: Massive amounts of really interesting words there and, and uh, hugely uh, uh, descriptive. Thanks, Dash. I mean, yeah, I mean, balance, um, responsibility is probably the big things that you talk about that, you know, clearly governments and kind of world bodies are are taking it as seriously as possible but there's always undercurrents of people who don't or kind of don't understand that and 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 you know while we talk about small increases in global temperature the impacts are massive right i mean they yeah. are they are they're they really really huge and i guess sometimes we live in a very on demand world and so we sometimes forget or we'll not even forget, maybe it's the wrong word, but we don't prioritize what's going to be happening in 50 years. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they're probably going to be around for another 50 years. Of course. <laughs> to, 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 to kind of see these impacts if we don't make changes to it. I think talking about that, you know, one of the targets, particularly for the UK, is aiming for a, a sort of net zero emissions by 2050. And also hosting the next UN climate change conference and trying to reach these goals. It's a bit of a catch-22 for me sometimes where you think I have technology through the internet of things, through IoT, through mobile connectivity, the ability to learn what things are doing, what's happening in my environment, so I can use that to better um, make decisions, really. That's what like I, I started the IoT business a lot around the fact that I believe very, very strongly that if you can understand what a device doing or you can understand what a thing is doing, Internet of Things, right? You can understand what the thing is doing. You can make it do better things, or you can at least give it the opportunity to do better things because you're understanding every part of that analytical cycle.
1: That's so correct. That's so correct. And it's um and I'm not sure who said this, but IoT is uh, it's almost the earth's digital skin. And the nodes and the sensors and the devices that are connected out underneath that skin are the nerves and the nervous system that speak into the brain and help inform the brain around what's happening around sight and temperature and control and quality and all of those things that feed into the environment and the social and economic structure.
0: Yeah, and it's also about, I mean, maybe we start to talk a little bit about that. You know, the GSMA had a really interesting quote, which was, uh, to decarbonize we, we must digitize um uh, nice nice alliteration going there we love an alliteration yes. but it is it is kind of true and and, and what you talk about skin nerves using the iot for that you know it's in several places we've got a few examples but i think it's not just about using uh sensors and devices to measure things it's also about freeing up humans to do the other jobs because you're you know you're automating some stuff that doesn't need someone to go out and do that job that person can do something a bit more influential, uh, whether it is through analytics or the next level, you know, something else that they can go and try and in- improve on.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of worry and concern around the machines are taking over <laughs> yeah. and they're replacing jobs. And, it, yes, some jobs will be replaced, but they're jobs that possibly should be replaced because they are labor-intensive, they're monotonous, and they don't require key decision-making and yeah. allow humans to enhance their jobs and go out and do the important things that do matter. Or potentially there are dangerous jobs that we can remove the the human danger aspect from and make them more safe.
0: Yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Let's let's dive into some examples. I think, you know, the listeners and hopefully, you know, a lot of our partners who tune in, look, this is a lot for you guys as well, being able to understand where where are some of these more green, if you want, or climate affecting opportunities within my base that I can not only win some business, but I can maybe feel good about what I'm doing as well. You know, some, there's, a, there's a there's a lot in that. And I think a couple of bits we'd talk about. So one of the first ones on the list is farming, you know, and precision farming is, we we come from a country in South Africa where farming is huge, right? I mean, um, there's lots and lots of space and sometimes people maybe just go, great, I've got all the space, I can do what I want to. But there's no substitute for being precise or optimizing your farming, right? Because every little bit counts, especially when there's droughts or there's things that kind of go around the route. There's lots of opportunities around smart irrigation where, you know, being able to adjust the water usage based on the upcoming weather. So you'd be smarter about it. Um, automating your fertilization. I used to tell a really great story about a company that I, she feels forever ago, but when we started the business about how they would actually monitor the soil moisture, but for the components of the soil. So they knew my tomatoes were different to my cabbages or my crops needed different things. So I need to adjust my, sulfite or my nitrite amount in my fertilization and if yeah. you could do that in a you know in a kind of you know more i suppose optimized way you're going to get better crops right you you don't have to do what they do today which is you know create these super seeds which, yeah. which sometimes are not always good for everybody to do that
1: and you touched on it there dan the important thing is a is a greater crop yield i mean in in 2050 or by 2050 farmers are going to have to produce 70 percent more food than what they're producing now so they have to have the precision agriculture in place and measure that soil quality and be able to less use or use less um, pesticides and decrease the the output because as we know farming does contribute largely to those emissions so it's about doing it more effectively and back to your point around balance right yeah exactly
0: yeah, if you're, you know, in, in the farming community, there's, you know, so many different sensationalized stories. But the reality is that, yeah, we have to make more food because we have more mouths. Yeah. Uh, but we have to do it smarter. You know, we may have to even consider uh, smart farming as a way in which you layer above each other. You, you, you go up vertically rather than always having to go horizontally in terms of you know how you do that. And exactly. you're gonna need you're gonna need far more intelligent systems to manage to manage that because you've got you know really um, a really different way of farming. Basically. Yeah,
1: and it's about controlling the amount that you feed and the times that you feed and you know the farmer's not getting on his horse and you know going around <laughs> the farm to check you know whether the the bowls are empty uh, there's a there's a, a more efficient and more productive way to do that and monitoring your your tank levels and your water levels and uh just doing things in a more effective manner with with
0: i'm t- like a totally um sort of similar p- passage but whether it was gimmicky or not, I saw an, an advert the other day about um, a fridge that actually tries to mimic some of the day sunlight passage in in your ve- in your veggie drawer. Right, ah. it sort of tries to create a sunlight sunset model for your veggies because they reckon it gives it I don't know how many more percentage life by staying Absolutely.
1: in, it. which is
0: which is which is actually like you know the whole from the farm to the to the supermarket to your fridge. Now you can try and keep that going for longer and longer. Um, Around food waste, smart storage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so you know, food obviously huge uh, way to kind of use IoT to drive things smarter farming. Obviously, we've done a few deals ourselves um, down in Kent, where you live now. You know, the whole of Kent Council is um, supported by smart lighting. Yeah, Um, and here. We've, I mean, we've had this running for probably four years where we've connected many, many hundreds of streetlights to enable, I suppose, proximity sensors that automatically switch on or switch off. The whole point of this is really, why are the lights on when no one's there? But why are the lights on when it's actually pretty bright outside? It shouldn't be based on time, it should be based on ambient, it should be based on what's going on around you. Equally, I think there's another level to this, which is it's hugely, I think it's like 12% more energy efficient to run smart street lighting compared to standard.
1: And I think there's a, there's a, you can uh, expect to reduce um, uh, the consumption and there's a saving of about 80% with the use of smart street lighting. They refer to it as a demand-driven luminosity. I quite enjoyed that terminology.
0: That's a cool one. I was going to just add in like a safety level. So we do a lot of work in the lone worker space where we can connect people to any network, you know, in the UK, around Europe, and know that your star, especially nurses or engineers working late nights, can be seen. But one of the really cool things I, I would love to see around smart city and smart lighting integration with lone worker is why would the lights not come on for that person coming home and maybe allow... Make sure that, you know, you have that level. So that's another deeper level of integration, which can be quite cool around kind of human safety. Yeah. Or make it brighter if that person is a, is a more vulnerable person and we could learn that they needed that help. You could.
1: No, for sure. So it's, it's so exciting. And, I mean, when you speak about proximity sensors, it brings to mind some of the, the work that's being done around the London Borough and looking at um, curbing fly tipping. And I think, you know, potentially that would be something that would be housed within your streetlights and and looking at the proximity sensors to pick up activity. And that then automatically kicks in some sort of alert or filming or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the IoT solution is. But again, just a way that it creates awareness and can um, speed up the response time around preventing those types of things from happening.
0: Yeah, this isn't about you know another episode of Back to the Future. Like this is stuff that is real because yeah. the data is there. It's about how do you harness it, make it useful, uh, put some put some budget towards it. That's really what it comes down to sometimes. And that's as well.
1: the word, Dan. It's yeah. data. Data <laughs> is visibility. You cannot manage what you don't measure. So yeah. it's about measuring that stuff, gathering that data, and helping that to make smarter decisions and use that for predictive maintenance to reduce incidents etc
0: we talk about reducing stuff there's another very well-known one which is the whole big belly bins who have got solar powered lids if you want on the top so that they don't need um power to kind of tell the bin collections i'm full come and get me type scenario right it's like an on-demand bill uh, bin collection and, and kind of rubbish collection but what it really has driven, and we've got loads of them in Kingston, which is where the office is, you know, it can reduce the collection about to eighty percent, which means less rubbish, you know, less bags waste and less emissions from those trucks. It's it's creating a rubbish collection. Improvement ecosystem model. Like it just everything around it gets better. Effective
1: waste management. Um, yeah, there's no point in having uh, the vans driving around and individuals sort of doing those routine checks when you can automate that process and make it a bit more effective.
0: I want to touch on two more examples um, that were close to us. One is one of the first opportunities we ever did in Pangea was connecting over 4,000 bicycles in Birmingham City Council, where we were involved with a little sensor that actually went into the handlebars. It's it's in the stem, in the front of the handlebar. And this was measuring, you know, about 50 different data points of which some were air quality, um, obviously calories burned by the person on the bike, various different pollution attributes. And the point of this was really to tell Birmingham Council, look, I've got X amount of government money for um, sustainability or for planting trees. But actually, if I knew where to plant them, because of the more affected areas, I could be better use of my money. Again, another great example of what the IoT does. It just gives you that data. It gives you that... Opportunity to be more efficient.
1: And then allows you to make the decision that's going to be important. And I mean, that's, uh, and that particular project was amazing. And 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 I know that that was um, included in that was our multi network sims.
0: Yeah. Correct? Well, it so, had to be, right? Because we were traveling, although well, the bikes were going anywhere around Birmingham. Yeah. yeah. So that was one of the fun ones. Um, I still actually remember delivering those sims. I, it was, it was the. I, you delivered I, was,
1: them by hand, didn't you? I delivered
0: them by hand. Yeah. All 4,000 of them in, in like a bag on a train yeah uh, those those were the days as they say <laughs> the
1: startup days the startup
0: days, <laughs> the start-up days where we deliver anything by hand just to make yeah. sure uh, we do have a very good career service for those listening now um, <laughs> <laughs> the other one though is uh probably a little bit sort of wider reaching but um we do have a, a product which we've kind of termed the fitbit for buildings which is all about smart energy systems e- 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 everything from being able to monitor your gas, your electric, even your water consumption. But in general, smart energy and the smart electric meters market. I just want to touch on something super interesting here. So we all get um, notifications that sign up, get a smart meter, get a smart meter. But it's important, right? Because it will help to automate not only the way you pay for it, but also accurately get you to pay for it. Yeah. But equally, it is, it is a way in which you can warm your house when you need to. Not just because it's on a timer or you can um, warm your warm water when you need to. You know, you may be away for a weekend and you've forgotten. You know, that's two to three days of wasted energy. Absolutely. Times that by 60 odd million people around the UK, that's a lot. You know, very quickly, it's 180 million days for one weekend that we go away and forget about it. So it's quite a lot of effort in terms of making it better. And, you know, according to the GSMA, smart energy systems could save 1.3 trillion. Pounds and reduce the carbon emissions by oh, almost eight billion tons. I don't know even knows this, but that's twenty three percent of all emissions. Exactly, exactly.
1: And I mean, that's where you start to see the real impact in in what the green economy can bring um, to the table. And you know, it's interesting there, you spoke about the consumer um, and how they can better manage their use of electricity and set their heating and their cooling and, and their energy levels based on their lifestyle. So not just letting it burn all day and not worrying about that. So we have this um, ongoing debate as well about how single efforts of the consumer are kind of a pointless drop in the ocean when set against this massive systemic change that's needed in the world to combat climate change but um, it's kind of like the old sort of lead by example belief system. And when presidents arrive on their private jets to climate conferences with their 14-car entourages, it smacks of hypocrisy. So it kind of starts with setting the example, you know, and getting the consumer to do something that they believe is going to make an impact and has some sort of purpose. So, um, you know, people don't rush into a burning building because they see smoke. They rush in when they see others rushing in with buckets of water. So, you know, when you see others doing and you see it happening and you hear about it and you communicate about it, that's when it starts to spread and becomes a collective effort. There's a clue there. To be a collective effort, it has to be collective. It can't be done on its own or by by one person. So, yeah, it's, it's bigger than that.
0: Because the impacts are so huge, it needs to be collected. You yeah. can't you, know, you can't get that um, level of impact without that piece. I mean, and I think I think just to just to sort of bring it to a close, you know, mobile connectivity is at the core of every sort of iot solution you know we need to understand that a lot of what we're trying to do has to talk to the internet or has to talk to some kind of application to improve itself obviously pangita has we just explained about five or six different things we've actively been involved in and have delivered but the ability to connect to any network from a single device so that you have ubiquity so you don't have to have these challenges which you would have had in in the past it's like how do i do that um rural you know connectivity on that farm or how do i get these bikes to connect when they travel around because while it's great to get the data you want to be accurate you, know, you want to be making sure you're making the right decisions with the right data and you need the ability to connect wherever you are you need the ability to connect through a cellular model or even through a more sort of lower power model where yeah the smart man i was going to touch on this the smart metering market is is needing that today where you know we will be sunsetting technologies like 2g and 3g in the future which have currently provided the services for smart meters. Yeah. So the yeah. future of smart meters, which we spoke about, and the huge impacts that smart energy systems will have, require things like Narrowband or LTE-M. And these are the technologies that, uh, obviously, to today we have and are ready to talk to our customers about and can help them. But it is, it's a huge opportunity to not only do something good, but also win some business.
1: Absolutely. I mean, um, you spoke earlier about decarbonization through digitization, and and I love that. I love the sound of that. But um, it speaks, again, to the benefits of the green economy and how businesses can actually benefit. So um, through the use of IoT and as part of their digital transformation strategies, what are the benefits? I mean, they can look at new revenue channels. Um, This is going to create new innovation in business models there's reduced energy consumption and and people want to buy from brands that are socially and environmentally conscious, don't they? It's it's important. You're reducing that risk and the erosion on your profit. And there's a long-term value creation that is created for business as they pivot and as they shift to a different way of doing business. Energy companies will shift to um, you know, new models of, of getting the consumers to, to store their own energy and then repackage it and sell it back to other consumers. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's so much exciting stuff there's, that's, yeah, that's coming agree. out of this going forward. So it, it's, the IoT is <laughs> at the heart of all yeah. of that and Pangaea is at the mm. heart of all of that. And we're bringing it back to what Pangaea really is, is yeah. pre-continental shift when everything was together and everything was connected yeah. And that state brings all of our, our knowledge and our data into one place. And that helps us make these decisions to become more environmentally conscious.
0: You're, that doesn't inspire you. Nothing will today, people. Uh, look, Tash... Desh- Massively appreciate you joining us. I think um, lots of good insights there. We could we could probably talk for a bit longer on this. Yes, but
1: I could talk forever on this. Let's <laughs>
0: the stats, the stats say we shouldn't go too much longer uh, to keep people interested. Uh, but um, look, if you are listening, thank you, first of all, but also head over to our website. The content will be there. The podcast will be there. There's various things that we can kind of talk to you about, not just, you know, from a sustainability perspective, but also from an IoT and a kind of tech perspective to help you guys get through. I will thank Tash again thanks so much for joining us
1: it's an absolute pleasure thank you for having me dan
0: no problem Um, so yeah dan kind of wrapping up the iot podcast for Pangea. thanks so much for listening and we look forward to uh having you guys listen again very shortly thanks so much